0: You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. This episode of No Love Lost is brought to you by fredhebakes.com. That's fredhebakes.com. Guys, we've told you before, we're going to tell you again, fredhebakes.com is a fantastic place to get delicious baked goods. So head on over to fredhebakes.com and use the coupon code NOLOVELOST to get 20% off of your order. That's coupon code NOLOVELOST for 20% off of your order. And if you're looking for other ways to support the podcast, head on over to thepodcastjukebox.com where you can get some No Love Lost merchandise like No Love Lost t-shirts and Crazy About Kurt t-shirts. Sorry, sorry, sorry again for the late episode this week, guys, but I promise you it was worth the wait. This one is a complete and total treat. That being said, we hope you're all well. We hope you're all staying safe and staying happy and healthy. And we are sending you all of our love. And on that note, michelle if you would be so kind let's
1: go to the
2: island
0: i would like to see the polar bears there was a crash and there are others and there are numbers and it all means something supposedly but even though
1: We had to go back.
0: Will, who are you talking to? There's nobody there. Uh, uh,
1: Megan, you, you don't you don't hear or see this this you don't hear or see Leo? Will why are
0: <laughs> why are you putting on a show for me right now, man? That's not cool. I thought we were friends.
1: Welcome back to No Love Lost, the podcast where we break down. The motivations of our favorite invisible god, Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Will Link, and with me as always...
0: Megan Salinas. Hey, everybody.
1: And we are here to break down a season three, episode 20, The Man Behind the Curtain. And and Megan, I alluded to it a second ago, but uh, and maybe you can't. I can't see him, but maybe we could hear him. Uh, I can't
0: see him either, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he's not there. Yeah, we are not alone. (laughs) No, no. We are joined uh, today for this episode by the wonderful Did You Know Gaming writer, Liam Robertson.
2: Help me. (laughs) There you go. Oh, no. (laughs) No. Yeah, uh wow that that was a great intro. Very well improved. I like that. Uh yeah. <laughs> Hi everyone.
1: Uh, i I feel like the sentiment, the disembodied uh words help me or something I legitimately have been hearing for the past few months anyway. So it's very fitting that you, you
2: yeah. agreed us with that. Link.
0: Honestly, most relatable Jacob's ever been. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, but uh thank you for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. I've uh, been listening for quite a while and uh I think I asked Megan a while ago, like, hit me up when there's a mythology-heavy episode. And this one's relatively heavy on mythology. I think it's a pretty good one to talk about. And uh, I've watched it back a few times since uh, you guys uh, invited me on. And it's a really good one, I think.
0: Yeah, uh, this this is one I, I distinctly remember uh, from from its first airing. There are a lot of episodes from season three that, like, I have to... Like, that kind of just came and went and left my consciousness um, almost immediately and that I didn't remember when we came back to rewatch them all these years later. But I Mm. remember this one.
1: Well, I think one reason why this one stands out is that there are many ideas that are set up in the season, even things about Jacob and the others and what they might believe and even – what's going on with Juliet and they all start to come to a head in this episode, all these storylines, all these things about Ben's past, it all kind of, it's all now together.
0: Yeah. It, it, I, maybe this is just because uh, of one of the writers of this particular episode, but this one's also like spooky, like uh, Mm -hmm. straight up cabin in the woods. Spooky.
1: I I remember, yeah, the first time... uh, It's so funny because there is no one in the chair, and we'll get to it, obviously, but there is no (laughs) one in the chair. But I remember the first time I saw this episode, it did give me the eebie-jeebies. It's like, what is going on? Like, what is that voice we're now hearing? Like, is Ben really seeing somebody? Isn't he, like, what is happening? And it, it does set that stuff up in a in a in a spooky way, I, I don't know, uh, Liam. How how do you feel about the spooks of this episode?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's. I think all that stuff is very well executed. The direction's very good, and I think Michael Emerson's performance, especially in that scene, totally sells you that something may be there because he's just that convincing. Even though. Th- there might not be something there. It's 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 even after like finishing the show, it's still a bit ambiguous what's going on there. But uh yeah, he totally sells that scene, I think, and you you do get a bit of the heebie jeebies as you're watching it.
1: Now, before we get into the episode where we'll further break that scene down, Liam, we always like to find out how our guests discovered Lost, first got into it. So why don't you let us know, like when did, did you start watching it from the very start or is it something you came to later?
2: I did watch it from the start, yeah. It was one of the few kind of live action shows that I was into as a kid because I think I'm probably a bit younger than you guys. Uh But I remember in the UK, this was like a big event TV show and i remember when it first aired the ads for the pilot were on constantly barraging you uh to r- remind you to watch it and everyone i knew watched lost at least for that first season when it was on uh, you know terrestrial television and it, it wasn't uh, on satellite or cable anyone could watch it and yeah so i watched it from the very first episode i i think like everyone else it was totally blown away by the production values and all that stuff so yeah i was there from day one and i followed it religiously until it ended
0: and speaking of how it ended i mean the whole crux of this show is that will Mm. loves the ending and i don't so where do you fall in terms of like are are you a lost apologist when it comes to the ending or are were you also disappointed by the way season six wrapped up
2: yeah, I, I think interestingly, I fall somewhere between the middle. Uh, most of your guests, from what I've listened to, uh, seem to be pretty into it. Obviously, because why else would they waste their time coming on a lost podcast if they just, you know, you know why 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 would they want to just discuss something they hate? So that makes sense. But I'm actually a bit more skeptical of the ending. Uh, I find it to be a bit emotionally manipulative, and I think the whole thing with the flash sideways. And this isn't to say that I hate the ending or anything like that. I think there are much worse uh, endings to TV shows like Dexter, for instance, which is just a travesty. (laughs) Uh, But with Lost, I do think the Flash sideways storyline, it does feel like a sort of a fake ending that was invented at you know, when they were coming to write the last season to mask the, la- the lack of a real, like, climax on the island. Like, that story did not really have a logical conclusion short of defeating the Man in Black and restoring things. So it feels like, you know, they they felt like it wasn't going to end as strongly as it should have. And they hadn't thought things through, so they kind of, you know, like, made made a backdoor so they could invent this sh- schmaltzy lovey-dovey ending and i don't totally hate it you know it's definitely emotionally uh evocative but i think there's there's enough in that like final episode that doesn't work when it comes to the flash sideways for me like the shannon stuff and i i don't particularly find it very um emotionally honest when i when when i see you know that scene where like ben talks to Locke about why he killed him and that's just a bunch of nonsense so i i i would say when i first watched it 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 did tug on the heartstrings but as i look back on it now with the benefit of hindsight and having watched it through a few times and you know being a bit older and wiser i do think the ending is has a, a whiff of cynicism about it uh so i am quite skeptical of it and the people who made it but i don't hate the show i think It has great individual episodes and amazing performances, and it's got one of the best TV scores ever put, yeah, one of the best soundtracks ever put in a TV show, for sure. But uh, yeah, those are my general thoughts, I guess.
1: Look, I mean, I will give you, and and I think it is kind of true, the the one issue, uh, emotionally it works so much for me that I am forgiving of a lot of things, but... The one issue that I do kind of agree with, there is something about the Flash Sideways that feels, uh, have your cake and eat it too, from, <laughs> from the writers. I will admit to that. It's just, I happen to like that piece of cake that I'm eating. Yeah,
2: no, I, I it's one of those things where I totally appreciate why anyone would like it. But the more you, it's one of those things where the more you think about it, the less it makes sense. Like, for instance, why are all these fucking murderers getting to go to heaven? You know what I mean? (laughs) These these are people who've killed people, who've tortured people. They left their children behind to be together, like John and Sin, like, uh, Sin, uh, 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 sorry, Son and Jin. Uh, (laughs) yeah yeah They, they, they died and left their children behind and i i think uh there's just a lot of like questionable things that they do throughout the show and i thought the whole point of the show was oh it's about flawed people but at the end they they get whisked off to heaven by christian shepherd who's this adultering uh like abusive nutcase yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 so, so there's a lot about it that feels emotionally dishonest to me uh but i think in the moment it, it might work on some level but yeah when you analyze it i think it starts to crumble
1: i think that they and and obviously we have an episode to get to so we won't hop on it too long but
2: <laughs> yeah, i, I sure. think
1: what's interesting the theme there's the big theme of the show live uh live together die alone And I do think something about that finale that I like is that all these flawed people, both in the flash sideways, they have to come together before they can move on. And even on the Island, like, yes, they have done horrible things, but together they are stronger and there is a greater good that they can accomplish. And I think it speaks to that idea, like individually. Mm -hmm. They've got, yeah, Saeed's, <laughs> Saeed's committed war crimes, you know, but but together they are, are stronger and what they are doing is worthy of going to that, that next step, which is why they have to find each other.
2: Okay.
0: I, I think that's a lovely sentiment, Will. But I, I just, I feel very, very vindicated right now because so rarely do we have somebody that agrees to <laughs> me on the ending. So well, that's just nice. <laughs> Thank you, Liam.
2: Yeah, sure. Just one more comment on the ending. You were saying, you know, it's, it's, it's the story of them all finding each other and all that, and it's about the collective good that they do. And I think that's fine. But I think one of the messages of the show, and it's something that Damon Lindloff has uh, reiterated time and time again it's it's that uh, you know these people loved each other and they, it's about them finding each other and they are the most important people in each other's lives uh my rebuttal to that is at the end of season five i think it is jack and the others like they all collectively agree to wipe the timeline clean to stop it so that they've you know to stop them from ever having meeting you know like that that is the whole crux of the series five finale can jack stop the the show from happening so for for them to just like episodes later be like oh no it's they all loved each other really they all just really wanted to be together i find that very false it
1: doesn't quite work though if it had worked but it doesn't quite work and also jack is usually wrong about that <laughs> I've got Jack issues. Jack. That is could
0: choose. that could be the tagline of this show. Lost. Um, Jack is usually wrong.
1: Uh, before we move on to the episode, is there a particular, uh, like, is there a particular episode or episodes that are are your your favorites, Liam?
2: Hmm. Yeah. I, I I couldn't really uh, name many of them because it's been a long time since I watched them all individually. But uh, I'll I'll be honest. This one is excellent. I uh, I really like this one. Uh, I've as I said, I rewatched it a couple of times before we we doing this podcast, and uh, I thought it it stood up for me like a, a lot more than I remember. But I also just some of those uh, season finales are very good. Like even when I think Lost starts to get bogged down in some of the unanswered mystery nonsense and the the, the crappy mythology, I, I do think it's it's consistently able to deliver on drama and thrills and everything. So, uh, even I think, yeah, to this, to an extent, the action in the season finale is, is, is very good, but, uh, I couldn't really name too many specific episodes, uh, for you because to me, it's kind of blurred together in my, in my head a little bit. Obviously everyone names the constant, so I will give that a nod as well because I'm totally (laughs) unoriginal.
1: It's hard not to name that one when you talk about the best. I mean, it's... It's such a great episode in a weirdly even though it relies on obviously the whole series but it, there's something emotionally that just stands alone about that which is another thing I think that yeah. Yeah. people like
0: it. It's I mean you you credit where credit is due. Outstanding television regardless <laughs> of the context surrounding it is outstanding television. But um that being said, are there any characters then in particular that that like really really speak to you on a personal level
2: i uh i quite like john Locke. uh he's someone that i was always like drawn to when i was watching this because he's kind of uh you know there's a degree of pathos about him he's he's very sympathetic but uh he is someone who is i guess living out this survival fantasy when he reaches the island he goes from being this pathetic like desk jockey to being this total badass, throwing knives around, hunting boar, and, you know, he's... Yeah, he's, he's kind of uh, LARPing a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, I can appreciate that. Uh, That's really cool. So, yeah, I guess uh, John Locke, to an extent. I think he, uh some of his, like, character arc towards the end kind of goes off the rails. But uh, in general, I, I really like him.
1: Well, we got some Locke for you in this episode, but mostly it's a Ben episode. Mm. Uh, Which is exciting because, you know, we spend a lot of time with Ben this season, but we don't really get the Ben backstory until now. Um, This episode is written by Elizabeth Sarnoff and Drew Goddard. Megan, you alluded to the great Drew Goddard. Our boy!
0: Our boy Drew! Woo!
1: Mm. And it is directed by Bobby Roth. This is the first episode he directed um, he will direct others, or at least one other. Um, and the episode begins, we're going to start with the flashback. And the episode begins with uh, a little misdirect. You see a woman who seemingly is in the jungle, but really it turns out, I guess, just to be the forest, um, giving giving birth. And um, some good casting here uh megan do you know uh who the woman giving uh uh giving birth to ben is
0: no i don't
1: liam do you know
2: i don't actually
1: it is the actress carrie preston she's been on a bunch of uh shows like true blood but more interestingly in real (gasps) life she is michael emerson's wife
0: (laughs) wait did she play arlene in true blood yep Oh, that's why she looked familiar. I didn't recognize her with blonde hair.
1: Emerson's (laughs) wife playing Emerson's mother.
2: Hmm.
0: Interesting.
2: (laughs) Something Um, a bit Freudian about that, isn't
1: there? (laughs) Exactly. Uh, And um, the father, uh, Roger, Roger Workman later, um, (laughs) is uh, uh, John Griers, who uh people might best know from the uh hit comedy napoleon dynamite he was uncle rico
0: oh Oh, it's been so long since i've watched napoleon dynamite i did not make that connection at all
1: so uh and i feel like peak napoleon dynamite time was also peak lost time so i remember (laughs) that being very fresh (laughs) in my head like oh it's uncle rico (laughs) um
0: good casting episode way to go
1: there's some more casting coming up in a second too, so um, we see this birth going down. And I remember the first time I saw this, I had I just assumed they were in the jungle. I didn't know what the hell was going on, and the birth isn't going so great. Uh, uh, the baby's born, but uh, the Carrie Preston there,
0: but, yeah. There seems to have been some complications. Some
1: complications. Which... They, he picks her up, they run, and then you realize, oh my God, we're not on the island because we run across a, to a street where They a, pulled
0: a village on us.
1: <laughs> I know, yeah. exactly. And the car pulls over and we realize like, oh, they, we realize a couple of things. One being that Ben's line of I was born here on this island was not true.
0: Now- I, I wanna ask both of you guys, how did you feel, if, if you can remember, cause I know it was a million years ago, but um, if you can remember, how did you feel upon this reveal in this cold open? Because I remember distinctly feeling like it was a retcon, even though that's, I mean, there's nothing inherently retconny about just revealing that a character lied, but I, I distinctly ha- remember having that feeling of like, are they retconning stuff? I'm confused mm. when this moment happened.
2: To me, it felt more like an intentionally uh, inserted thing to make you doubt Ben. That's what it felt like to me, because he reiterates that on the island. He says to Locke, I was born on this island, Locke. So I think it is just something inserted there that is provably false. Like the audience is shown immediately, uh, Ben is lying. And I think it is something to make you doubt him and, you know, uh, get you guessing later on in the episode about whether or not uh, Jacob is actually there.
0: Yeah. And to the episode's credit, Ben has shown to be a liar on numerous occasions.
2: And mm.
1: as far as like Retconny stuff goes, the argument could be well, like, I really was, I really became who I am. I was born on, I was island.
0: reborn on yeah. this island.
1: <laughs> um, but um, the other thing is, a, the car that pulls over to help them, some more casting stuff, um, the actress, and we see her later as the teacher in the school, is Samantha Mathis, uh, who was, uh, like, one of those actresses who never became as big a deal as I thought she would. She was in, like, Pump Up the Volume and all these late 80s, early 90s movies. Um, she gets two scenes on Lost good for her i guess <laughs> and um the actor is doug hutchinson who was in i remember a very early x-files episode where he played squeeze where he played this <gasps> guy. yeah real, oh my god real creep creepy guy uh, he was also in the green mile where he played like a real piece of shit and in real life, he's best known for when he was 50, he married a 16-year-old girl.
0: Ew! Mm. That's horrible!
1: Well, you know, that's... So, uh,
0: plays yeah. a creep and is a creep in real life. Good to know. Good to know.
1: Um, So, yes, yeah, some, some fun casting here.
0: <laughs> well, that last bit wasn't as much fun, Will. <laughs> well,
1: that happened after he played... Uh, Horace, good speed. That happened after.
0: But but yeah, this is a this is a good cold open. Um, despite my feelings of like, are they retconning stuff? This is this is definitely a great hook for the beginning of the episode.
1: Um, so you know, the next time we see, uh, next time we go into the flashback, we see young Ben and Roger. They're arriving. At um the island, they're arriving to be part of the Dharma Initiative, and you know Horace is there. Who you know previously we had seen he'd been the pulled over in the car to 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 help Ben. Probably the work of Jacob, making him <laughs> at the right place at the right time. Right? I mean, I, I think so you know, many
0: of Jacob's encounters are car based.
1: Liam, I think Megan gets very frustrated because sometimes, and sometimes I'm giving her crap, and sometimes I'm dead serious. Like, my, my, my fallback is, well, Jacob just willed this that way when I can't answer something. But there is something to that, right, in that they're setting up.
2: Yeah, I think to a little bit but I I feel like you might be giving the writers a bit too much credit to think that they knew what Jacob was at this point in the show because I don't think they figured that out until probably season 4 or 5 at least. Uh I I feel like before that it is just a like many other things on the show they didn't have it figured out and it is just a mishmash of different ideas that briefly, you know, titillates the viewer. Uh, like the cabin later on the episode, uh, I think the the writers did say at one point that that's Jacob in the cabin, but like, what's like, how does that relate to what Jacob is later in the show? So I I, I get it. Like Jacob is kind of like a blank slate onto which you can cast most any theory. But sometimes like it's it's just gets a bit too silly for me. Especially <laughs> and, and just yeah, especially on earlier on in the show, I think you gotta remember like there's no way that they knew that like the the ending of the show was gonna come down to Jack versus the smoke monster, any of that. That was not planned out this far in advance.
0: Liam, you are welcome back on this show anytime you want. This is fantastic. <laughs>
1: um so they show up at the dharma initiative i'll tell you right now i, I could never be part of this group I-, I can't be part of a group i get off they the saying namaste to me putting lays on me or what i, I can't deal with this I-, I would not fare well with the dharma initiative um i would not fare well in a tropical island scenario to begin with i'm a city oh, person
0: too humid too humid for me personally
1: liam you go for the dharma initiative you you show up uh, you take the job as uh roger workman
0: Workman.
2: (laughs) uh no thank you and and while you were mentioning that whole thing about you know namaste and them wearing the flower things it does have a sort of a reek of like you know like corporate uh pondering you know what i mean when you have when you have like what do you call it like rainbow capitalism when uh for a month, you know, during Pride Month, all the companies will, like, put, like, a Pride flag in their names or whatever. And it's just, you know what I mean? They, they don't really give a crap about any of that. It's just appropriating...
0: Wokeness. yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly.
2: That's what it feels like.
1: But, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head with the corporate thing, because the, the Dharma Initiative is, like, basically corporate-funded, right? And uh-huh. they... And that really kind of breaks down to what the issue will be with them and the others, the local inhabitants of this island. Because they're there to, like, mine these resources, basically. And they're putting on this namaste, this, like, zen vibe to the whole thing. But really, they, they're, you know, back back on the mainland, they're probably shareholders <laughs> that they have to deal with. <laughs> you, you know exactly. what I mean? Yeah, yeah where
2: well, you... mining's i was I was gonna say we're, we're mining some hidden depth that i never knew was there <laughs>
0: um, i i like that will by any chance did you ever play a game called bioshock no uh there's uh kind of an atlantean setup like the whole thing is very um inspired by like atlas shrug where this one guy goes like creates his own society underneath the ocean and basically chaos reigns but um but a lot of people come to this place called rapture because it's like oh you'll you'll be able to do scientific experiments free from government control all this cool stuff and like you put a bunch of very ambitious people in an enclosed area where you're basically like oh hey no rules guys <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, and that um yeah the dharma initiative feels a little like early rapture not not quite to the degree because that that game had something else to say and it wasn't specifically capitalism based Mm -hmm. but like they're um uh, yeah now that you've made that corporate connection liam i am like oh oh like even if the others hadn't been around maybe this wasn't gonna go down (laughs) great
2: yeah yeah i I, i've i've played bioshock i get what you mean they're kind of like the 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 company in bioshock is more like a a libertarian dharma initiative yes exactly
1: so ben and roger basically go to orientation and we see a nice little dharma video about those pylons that'll kill you if you try to walk through them uh <laughs> to 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 keep uh... Everyone's safe from the local hostiles, or with, they say they say animals and the, the wildlife. With, but with
0: our good friend, uh, what's he going by today?
1: <laughs> oh yeah, I don't know. Do they say what his name is on this video? His name always changes.
0: I don't think so, but we know this guy.
1: <laughs> um. But, uh, you know, they talk about – in the video is kind of like nice little background exposition because they talk about, like, properties that exist nowhere else and all this stuff. But really what's – the crux of this is Ben makes a friend. Young Ben meets young Annie, and he makes a friend. And Roger is given the janitor job, which he is not happy about. Although I don't know what he thought he was going to be qualified for, he's not a scientist. Like, what is like, what did he think he was going to work there? Like, I mean, maybe he didn't know he was going to be like unclogging Dharma toilets, but yeah, w- what what do you think he was doing?
0: Uh yeah, I don't know what Horace's pitch was, but he clearly like. Was just like, oh, come to the island; it'll be a grand time. Like it's beautiful. Ben will get a great education, and uh, your day to day will will constantly be exciting.
1: Horace's pitch was, "You are another in a series of horrible fathers, and we need more horrible fathers <laughs> brought to the island." That's that's what the pitch was.
2: Yeah, everyone on the islands, or like most characters in Lost, have daddy issues of some kind.
0: Yep. Yep. That's why, that's why Horace had to bring him here. He had to fill that quota. There had to be a certain number <laughs> of bad fathers on the Island at any given time.
1: <laughs> so we do see that Ben is getting an, an education. He's in, in class doing that classic uh, build a volcano experiment uh, as they talk about uh, volcanic activity on the Island. Um, hmm. Samantha Mathis teaching We'll never see her again on this show, but it was it was <laughs> nice they gave her this part um and suddenly there is an earthquake the things shake, alarm's going off. she pulls out a gun. the kids like have to get on this, and we talk about the hostiles like what kind of hostiles are these? um, I assume it was though like that's the smoke monster right causing that is that what we're led to believe? causing like earth shattering or is it or is it dharma experiments like what is what is going on at that moment
2: i think they're genuinely clashing with the others in some capacity uh because that sort of it would be weird if it was the monster because it, that episode is about their conflicts with the hostiles as they call them uh can i just make uh one note on the volcano thing
1: yeah. because they do <laughs> go ma- for it
2: they, they do mention um Obviously, there's a volcano on the island, uh, but that that never appears uh, later on in the show. And that is uh, one of the few kind of unaddressed, you know, like dangling threads that I'm willing to let go. And I don't know if either of you knew this, but here's a little bit of trivia. Uh, the the volcano was supposed to feature in the final episode when Desmond... I was
0: just about to ask, like, why did this volcano ever go off?
2: Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah that's uh, amazing. Uh, I, I think what was meant to happen was, you know, obviously once Desmond removed the plug from the thingy uh, and the island went all shaky and all that, uh, I, I think, yeah, it was meant to trigger a volcanic eruption. And from what I remember reading in an interview with, I think, Damon Lindloff, he said there was meant to be a volcanic eruption and, you know, kind of like Revenge of the Sith. You can have the man in black and Jack face off while there's, you know, lava flowing down the the rock side and all that and it jack didn't happen
1: have, jack would have the high ground
2: <laughs> <It's> <laughs> yeah, exactly <overlock. laughs> yeah uh but it didn't happen due to budgetary concerns is what i read
0: that's a bummer cuz like yeah setting up the fact that there is an active volcano on this island and then never addressing it again like that's that's kind of a bummer it would have been awesome to have the volcano go off in, in the finale
1: Uh, But you are right. There is there is a a active shootout with the natives, we find out because Ben overhears Roger fighting with Horace about how they they had a a shootout with the hostiles.
0: Yeah. And 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 not to not to be like one of those people, but it has been established that the smoke monster can't get through the pylons. (laughs) I guess it was just
1: it was shaking so much that I, I felt like maybe the smoke monster... Because the, the Dharma Initiative knows there's a smoke monster, right?
0: They have hmm. to, right? I can't, I'm
1: trying to remember my season five now, which it's been a long time, which is that's when we is, is, the most time with the Dharma Initiative. But they have to know there's a smoke
2: monster. Is, is there not, like... Um, isn't it established at some point that that's partly why they have the fence? Because obviously it does repel the monster... But uh, yep. I, I think I think the the larger thing is it's never explained how they are able to erect this giant like sonic fence without anyone like getting through. Like, why didn't the monster stop them? Why didn't the other stop them? They're somehow able to construct this very elaborate high tech fence in, in the time that it, I don't know, seems a bit weird to me.
0: Uh Will I got a theory about why the ground's shaking. The ground is shaking because uh our intrepid heroes are off destroying a temple somewhere on the island.
1: Oh that, that that's, a good, that's a good call. <laughs> um I'm gonna watch this episode again in the middle of season five just to see if if, if, <laughs>
0: if any of that lines up. up.
1: Um But Ben also, in this moment, after he overhears his father talking to Horace, he has a vision of his mother. Yeah, Uh,
0: which is genuinely chilling. Because it's like this wonderful tap, tap, tap on the window. He turns around. There's nothing there. Uh, Tap, tap, tap again. He turns around. Boom! Ghost! uh,
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's creepy. And it's also creepy because it's brief. Like, it's really brief. We don't spend a lot of... Like, it's almost is he just seeing this because of his own issues or is she there on the island? You know, later uh, Richard asked him if she died on the island. But again, but, okay, so now this is where maybe, and I always hate to like poke holes in my favorite show here, but (laughs) we talk about the smoke monster and we know the smoke monster can, you know, come to people as visions. We've seen it with Mr. Echo and Yemi and all that stuff. So is he having that vision because of the smoke monster? But then how did the smoke monster get through the pylons to give him that vision? I don't know. I'm probably reading too much into it or trying to bring too much logic to it.
2: Are you talking about uh, Ben's vision of his mother? Yes. So I actually watched this episode like just minutes earlier and uh, Ben's mother is on the other side of the fence. But the first so, time he sees her...
0: It's, uh, it's outside of his window.
2: Oh, you... Bear moment. You are correct. Yeah.
1: So, I don't know. That might be playing a little fast and loose with how effective those pylons work.
0: mm mm-hmm. Uh, Either that or there's a mole on the inside who turned the pylon off so that the smoke monster could infiltrate the Dharma initiative, appear as a kid's dead mom, and initiate a 15-year plan
1: (laughs) to eliminate (laughs)
0: everybody there, even though he probably could have just killed everyone himself.
1: Works for me. (laughs) Um,
0: I I think (laughs) it's just a moment of, like, I I is as much as I I love our boy Drew I do think this was a moment of inconsistency cuz I do think it was the smoke monster personally but maybe maybe that's not necessarily what it was cuz there are yeah at I don't know the the rules for ghosts on the island are inconsistent. It seems um, so. It's either an inconsistency with ghosts on the island or it's an inconsistency with the smoke monster. Either way, I don't think it really matters. But I, I I would put my money on man in black.
1: Um. So the next part of the flashback is it's it's Ben's birthday and he's getting these wooden figures from Annie and it's like see now we could you could have this so I'll have this we'll never be apart. Uh, which is sweet, a nice sweet little thing. Um, and he, you know, he comes home, and Roger Workman is drunk, and has forgotten his birthday, and says the the thing that every child wants to hear: hard to celebrate on the day you killed your mom.
0: <laughs> I,
1: that is some that is some rough parenting. Like and, I, mm-hmm.
0: I just rewatched the Babadook, and there is a very similar scene <laughs> because there's a similar plot point in that movie. And just like watching that movie and then like this episode almost back to back, I'm like, "Ow, why my heart?"
1: And this, of course, causes Ben to be very upset. He runs off. He runs by the pylons where he has the he sees the mother, and this is the scene you were talking about, Liam, where she. Mm kind of talks to him and and says uh he's not uh, he's not ready.
2: Yeah. I I you do hear the whispers when you yeah. see her. So it here's the thing, right? I I've always been of the opinion that especially with the whispers they just didn't know what that was until pretty much the last minute whenever the episode was like- that they
0: Oh wait, there are 3 episodes left. We have to explain it.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's that's what it's it, what it always felt like to me because uh you know, they talk about how the whispers are bound to the island later on in the show, but when uh, Michael dies on the freighter, uh you hear them then and that's not on the island. So it, it's there's no consistency to any of it. Uh I I do think that the the whispers at this point in the show I I have it in my mind that the writers thought they would be connected to the others in some fashion. And there's further evidence of this later on in the show. When uh, you finally find out where, uh, where Alex came from, you know, how uh, Ben steals uh, Russo's daughter. When Ben meets uh, Russo for the first time and takes her kid, he says to her, uh, and this, I think, supports my argument that at this point in the show, it's it's connected to the others. He says to her, uh, the next time you hear whispers, you run the other way, which seems like a threat that suggests it's something to do with what the others can do, right? It's some kind of ability or it's just them whispering or something like that. So, yeah, I don't think the writers at, at, at this point... Had any idea what the whispers were, and it—it's just a hodgepodge of different concepts, really, that weren't—you know—they didn't have any answers to these yet. It's
1: one of those things that I almost like if the series had ended and we never got an answer to the what the whispers were, it would not have bothered me. Like there are certain me things too. You just accept as atmosphere as, as weird, creepy. yeah,
0: creepy uh, island magic. <laughs>
2: Um, yeah i i agree i i don't think you need to answer the whispers and the way in which they did answer the whispers which is just having michael say that they're ghosts it's very sort of spoon feedy and uh not very clever
1: there the one thing that the the show did fall into problem a little problem wise was there was this idea to sometimes they felt the need to explain things that didn't need explanations because they're like well, people need to know uh uh, mm. Jack's tattoos. Anyway, that's that's the example. Of yeah, no one gives a shit about.
2: But you, um, you see, Megan, we're gonna slowly inch him to our sides as this podcast <laughs> goes on, one one little chip in the armor at a time,
1: <laughs> and uh, the whole thing. I I've already turned Megan around. I think on Juliet, so I'm turning her around on everything slowly. <laughs> uh,
0: so you think <laughs> no. all, all a part of my grand plan.
1: So Ben obviously needs to go beyond the pylon, see what's going on. So he, he goes very smartly. He, he gets the code. He turns it off. He sends a bunny through first to make sure. Uh... I,
0: I did I did chuckle a little bit that that scene where he's petting the white bunny um just when he's hanging out in his room. I did chuckle a little bit. I was like, "Oh, maybe that's one of those time traveling bunnies. <laughs> maybe that's the bun- that same bunny he he used to traumatize Sawyer earlier <laughs> in the season."
1: And he he goes out there and you know, he's looking for his dead mother, but who does he come across? Richard Looking great. Looking (laughs) as young as ever.
0: (laughs) Yeah, not really looking much different than he does later.
2: Is this the first time that it's established that Richard is ageless or, like, suggested? I don't remember that happening.
1: Yes, this is the first time, and there's the nice little when we get into the the present-day stuff on the island, where Ben gives him this, you remember birthdays. Um... uh which is an, is kind of an allusion to this guy's had a lot of birthdays but we don't realize yeah. it at
2: the time.
0: He's just guys, he's just a Paul Rudd. He's just ageless and eternal.
1: <laughs> um and basically, you know, Richard is actually very nice to Ben in this moment. Like he 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 finds something he, I I think he kind of realized that Ben because he's talking about the vision of his dead mom, because he's talking about the stuff, I think Richard very quickly realizes Ben will have a role to play in the plan of be it Jacob, be it the man in black, just say the Island in general, he realizes he has a a role to play here. Ah,
0: spooky Island stuff has started happening to you. You must be a central character. (laughs) Exactly.
1: He just tells him he has to be patient. Um, and that patience ends up paying off for Ben in a way years later. We know it's years oh, later. Cause- real,
0: real quick before we jump forward. I just, I, I do want to point out how good the kid is that they got to play a young Michael Emerson. Like he doesn't have a ton of lines throughout the, the episode because, um, because ben isn't a very talkative kid but like casting wise he was spot on so well talking about interesting casting for this episode good good job casting the kid child acting is tough so
1: good good job all around on that
2: i was going to mention that too he does a really good job
1: and um yeah the next time we get into the flashback it's he's portrayed by a uh, by Michael Emerson doing one of those. Uh, he's got a wig on. He's got longer he's
0: younger, hair, so yeah. that means he's younger. He's younger. <laughs> <laughs> at um, least it's not as bad as, like, that weird Jack wig from, like... I-, I don't remember if that was season one or season two, but, like, at one point, oh, yeah. Jack had, like, an insane wig, and it's like, no, 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 that <laughs> does nothing. That's nothing.
1: <laughs> um, And now Ben is a workman with his dad, and it is his birthday again. And the father in what I do think is trying to be genuine, but he is a terrible father, but I do think he's trying to be genuine when he's like, uh, I'm.
0: Hey, you're a man. Now we can have a beer together. Yeah.
1: Let's, let's do something after we deliver these beers to the Pearl station, (laughs) let's go (laughs) have some beers and it'll be nice. And, you know, um, and, you know, Ben's like, I would like that. And they go and they go up to like this Vista or whatever. They're up there.
0: Hawaii is gorgeous.
1: Having a drink in the Dharma van, which, by the way, the one thing I forgot to bring up is that we have already seen the dead body of Roger Workman. We we have seen him in the van. So if we are paying attention we should know that things are not going to end well for Roger Workman in this van.
2: Yeah,
0: I I appreciate that because like I know that we we've talked about that episode and how it's a, a lighter kind of funner episode where normally the the a the stuff that was considered the a plot would have been uh, the b plot in another episode, but given this flashback, you know, it gives that kind of one off sort of fun fillery episode a lot more weight so credit where credit is due show
2: yeah w- one thing that I really like about that scene when they're up on the hill in, in the van is that you know obviously there's a sense of impending doom because you know that he, that guy's gonna die and he's probably gonna die in there but there's a little sense of uh, will he won't they because Ben at one point asks him do you really feel that way about me? And do you really think that I'm responsible for my mother's death? And he kind of gives her, gives him one last little chance to say, no, sorry, son, and, and reconcile. There's a, there's a little sense of uh, tension there and whether or not he will actually kill him. But, you know, ultimately he does.
1: And Roger doesn't give, like, the best answer. Yeah, he might. straight up says,
0: what do I know? Yeah. Which is a, yes, but I'm an idiot. So, you know, <laughs> take from that what you will.
1: Um, but yeah, uh, as as a theme that we've seen on this show already, a theme of patricide, uh, He he kills his dad, much like in the episode before where Locke had to kill his father, even though he didn't yet but had to (laughs) deliver the body of his dead father you get the sense that like this is the thing that maybe the others have asked of ben to do as his part of this plan he gets them access to kill the dharma initiative to gas him but like you got to kill your dad like, yeah. I, I mean, that's not explicitly said, but I think because of what we've seen Ben put Locke through, there's an implication there that you want to be part of our crew? Kill your father.
0: I I actually view it as that was Ben's way of trying to get one over on Locke because he's like, the one thing John Locke isn't going to be capable of doing is killing his dad. So I got him. Um, but I, I do like that connection that there.
1: And mm-hmm. you know, Ben comes back, I guess he decided not to drive the van back. <laughs> ben walks back to the uh to the the Dharma initiative, and it's again it's kind of a creepy sequence where he comes in, everyone's dead, and then like the others start to come out with their gas masks on. Like it's eerie.
2: Yeah. I think uh the whole purge thing. And the whole thing with the the dead body in the van. I think the, these are some of the most satisfying answers in the whole show because that that there's no there's no like room for interpretation really. Like it's definitive, and there's not a lot. You know, it feels airtight to me. This all makes sense.
0: Yeah, it feels. It it feels like it actually fits within the, the framework of the show, um, that you don't have to bend over backwards trying to connect two dots that <laughs> really shouldn't yeah. be connected. But at the same time, it doesn't feel as condescendingly spoon fed like you were saying earlier when we get answers about like the whispers. It's show, mm-hmm. don't tell.
1: Um, Precisely, yeah. And, you know, Ben's like, you could leave my father's body out there. Um
0: it's good. It'll be good for some shenanigans in about what 30, 20 years? I don't know. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so let's go to the present day island. Uh we start off. It is Ben's birthday again. It's all there's a big birthday I, theme this episode.
0: I did I did have a question actually. Uh oh, since okay. we're jumping to the present. Um, did we ever find out what happened to Annie? Because like the the very strong implication is that like she died in this purge and he was okay with that like
1: Mm.
0: is it ever something that the narrative ever touches on again
1: are you asking annie if she's okay yes
0: annie are you okay (laughs) are you okay annie
1: i gotta admit it's been a while since i've watched the series which has been part i've been trying not i've been trying to like experience it without like looking or thinking too far ahead and i cannot remember if we get an a a definitive answer i mean i i think the implication is that you know his beloved annie is killed too but i do know we have a whole season you know season five we're back in the darm initiative i know there's young ben in that season so i can't quite remember liam do you remember
2: from what I remember, this is something that's not really followed up on. I think it's a character the show kinda of just forgot about for whatever reason. Uh probably because, you know, they were doing different things with young Ben later on and she didn't really. There fit were a in lot there. of
0: characters to there were a lot of characters to keep track of in <laughs> yeah. there,
1: But there is this implication when we see him in the that we don't learn till later when we see him in the in the in the present, he's got that, that doll. It's his birthday. He's thinking about Annie. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: and so it's like we don't know if, um, like, yeah. the 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 main implication is that she died with everybody else, but like we never see her body. And in uh, you know, uh, a show like this, no body, no death. <laughs> you know, so. I don't know. I don't know if that was something where they were like, oh, the mystery of what happened to Annie is something we'll explore in a later season or if we're just supposed to take it at face value and be like, yeah, no. Uh, he was willing to sacrifice his only friend to get what he wanted, which was power.
1: Um. So Ben can't find his his tape recorder. He's a little annoyed about that. We know who has it. We know Sawyer has it. Um, and then who rolls into camp carrying the body of his dead father, John Locke, and everyone is enamored in the way you usually are when someone murders their father. <laughs> I keep yeah. thinking back to the, uh, I guess it was the, the le- I think it was the last episode, where those people were just all so disappointed that he wouldn't kill his <laughs> father when he was tied to that <laughs> not alter, but when he was tied to that thing, and the look on those kids' face. <laughs> they
0: I were like, Oh
2: <laughs> Yeah. Has anyone but... checked on Damon Lindelof's dad, you know? Checked out he's <laughs> okay? Because there's, there's a lot of this uh, daddy murder in that in this show.
0: You <laughs> know, I'll be honest, I haven't. Somebody should probably look into that.
1: Yeah, no one. His father went missing shortly before the <laughs> series began. Um, so Locke shows up, and now he's like, "Killed my dad. I want answers." And Ben is, of course, uh, evasive, and he starts. Um. He starts telling him, like, well, Jacob has the answers. And, you know, we can't just get them from Jacob, blah, blah, blah. And in my notes, I wrote... It sounds
0: like the showrunners on a red carpet. Well, Megan... (laughs) Just dodging (laughs) Megan,
1: (laughs) in my notes here, next to this line, I wrote, Megan hates this.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, I mean... It, this, what I like about it is that uh, Ben is clearly grasping at straws like he wasn't expecting John Locke to show up um, so soon and so uh, he's had the rug pulled out from under him a little bit and so he's, he's just doing his Ben thing and lying uh, and pulling whatever he can out of the air to try to maintain this control and how this uh, mm-hmm. unexpected variable factors into his plans so I, I didn't hate it, Will, but it it is hilarious to me. I'm like, yeah, no, this is just this is just the the experience of being a writer on Lost, trying not to give too much away.
1: But as you were saying, Liam, about later when we get to Jacob's cabin or shack or whatever, uh, Michael Emerson is really like the special effect here. He's the one who sells you on that stuff later. His performance sells you on. On even this, his defensiveness about how he's the one who he's the only one who could talk to him and he, you know, and Locke mm-hmm. calling him out on being a liar and and him doubling down. And you really like that's why he's one of two actors to win an Emmy for this this show, because you you don't know what the truth is with them, but you do kind of believe him that there's, cause you do know there's a bigger thing going on. It's, it's really a remarkable performance.
2: Totally. Yeah.
1: Um, so, you know, Locke, Locke's telltale sign with, with Ben is that he thinks he's lying because his hand is shaking. And um, shortly thereafter, who comes rolling into camp? but our good friend uh, Mikael.
0: Mikael!
1: <laughs> Ben's like, hey, I thought you were dead. And he's like, the pylons were not set to a lethal level.
0: Um, Stories of my death have been greatly exaggerated. Yeah, those... I got I mean, better!
1: <laughs> exactly. Um, and he basically tells them all about Naomi, which, of course... Cause a little bit of a panic and a hubbub. Uh he's like, we need to take care of this now. And Ben's like, well, look, the day after tomorrow, we're gonna go kidnap the pregnant women. So we could wait till then <laughs> to take care of this. And Mikhail's like, no, we need to do this now. And Locke comes out and is like, no, nah, we're gonna go see Jacob, which is a great move on Locke's part because Ben did not want to bring him to Jacob. But now that Locke has publicly said Ben is bringing him to Jacob and the people in this camp are so enamored with Locke, Ben's got to bring him to Jacob. It was a good little one-upsmanship there.
0: Well, and it's great, too, because um, this is Locke using what he knows about Ben to his advantage because their they're little one-on-one right before Locke destroyed the submarine a couple episodes ago Um Ben straight up, or right after he blew up the submarine, I don't remember what the order was exactly, he straight up said, hey, I was in a no-win scenario until you did this, but uh, because I I made a promise, keeping that promise would have broken faith with the people who follow me, but so would breaking that promise, and so what what John Locke has done here is publicly said hey Ben told me that this was what we were going to do and Ben backpedaling on that would do just that it would break faith with everybody in terms of like oh well Ben doesn't keep his promises so I I very much appreciated that moment
1: Uh, Liam you you mentioned Locke being your your favorite character and Something was just occurring to me while we we're talking about this. Like the Locke Ben dynamic is easily one of the best on the show. But then, honestly, mm-hmm. and a lot of this could be Terry O'Quinn, but uh, uh, curious your thoughts on this. Locke's dynamic with everyone on the like there are some characters who don't work as well, like paired up with us. But Locke's dynamic with literally everyone is kind of fascinating.
2: Yeah, totally. Uh, the scenes with him and, and Jack are some of the best ones where they argue about science and belief. And uh, especially when they're arguing over the the hatch, I think in season two. And, uh, you know, I think Jack is very skeptical of it. And he, he initially has a lot of faith that they've got to push these buttons and that all matters. And, but yeah, I I think you're right. The scenes between him and Ben are, are some of the best, especially Even in in this episode, uh, there's some really good stuff where, I mean, for once, Locke is kind of on the other side of the table here. He is the skeptical one who is, you know, putting pressure on Ben and, uh, you know, scrutinizing what he's saying.
1: That's a great call because, you know, you could 100% see Locke giving Jack a bunch of crap about, something he sees on the island that Jack doesn't see. And Locke is doing that to Ben, although I'd say for good reason, but Locke is doing that that to Ben right here. It is a fun, like, kind of role reversal for some of this. Yeah, totally. Um, So, you know, Locke's saying we're going to see Jacob. McCall's like, can't bring him to see Jacob. We got to go do this other thing. So Locke... Uh, uh, does the next natural thing, which is to beat the ever-loving shit <laughs> out of Mikael. <laughs> uh, I mean, he really beats the crap out of them.
0: I I think my favorite thing about this whole thing is Ben cries out for Tom and Tom is just sitting here doing, like, the Kermit meme of, like, I'm just <laughs> sipping my tea, man. This is none of my business.
2: The
1: You know, the others really are, like, they're, they're kind of sick because they just watch people get the crap kicked down. they waiting for murder. Like, they got some deep-rooted... Well, you know, I mean, there's like a... They've god- known
0: Mikhail yeah. for years, and no one is jumping in. <laughs> you know, they bought
1: into the whole Jacob thing. Like, there's some Old Testament shit going on with these people, you know? So, I get it. But it's... Uh, the others, you know... I wouldn't want to be part of that group either. I wouldn't want to be with the Dharma people. Wouldn't want to be with the others. I'm staying away from this island.
0: Can, can I go hang out with Rousseau? She's cool and a yeah. fan favorite.
1: I want to hang out with um, season six Claire and her squirrel baby. <laughs> That's what I want to hang out with. Um, Liam,
0: where are you at?
2: I want to hang out with Rousseau. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: I want to hang out with Rousseau and ask her why she didn't remember Ben. Because later on in the show, uh, you know, through time travel or like a flashback or whatever, yeah, we find out that uh, Ben takes her child and then she captures him later on, uh, I think in like season one or two or whatever. And uh,
0: she
2: she doesn't recognize him.
1: Well, Dude, I had
0: such a big problem with that. Well, I think... <laughs> I'm right there with you.
1: <laughs> I think he had that long hair back when he kidnapped the baby, so he was unrecognizable. Mm. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that I could think of is that I was like, well, I guess it was kind of dark, so maybe she just could- didn't really fully take in all his features. But no, I'm right there with you, Liam. I'm like, why? She had him. She had him.
2: <laughs> yep, exactly.
1: Um... Well, speaking of Rousseau, a little bit Rousseau's daughter and Ben's daughter, Alex, uh, has a nice little bit of business where they're getting ready to to go, and Alex comes and gives Locke a gun, and is basically <laughs> like, "Here you go, you're gonna need this." And to be fair,
0: we do find out that a knife is surprisingly effective against Jacobs.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, and-, oh,
1: no. and then um. Uh, she wishes her dad a happy birthday in a really, uh, you know, shitty way, which I appreciated. (laughs) Um, But, you know, Ben is assuring a lot that, like, Jacob is very real, and he is going to be angry. And I do think this whole stretch, they do a very good job of building uh, the trip to this cabin up. There's a lot of talk about like Ben is clearly afraid of Jacob and you know, that's, that, that that's what he, there is something that does irk Ben about this. Like Ben doesn't want to do this for a reason. And they kind of do this whole, there's no turning back, like kind of march up to this cabin. There's the moment where they have to cross that like kind of ash that's there or whatever. Uh, it's very ominous when they get to that cabin. I think the, I think the show and a lot of its direction—like I, I think they do a good job of building this up. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I <clears throat> I didn't realize that was ash. I thought it was gunpowder <laughs> for some reason. Uh, but yeah, no, this is this whole thing. This is a great sequence of just the it's it builds up the tension nicely, and I think we get a good payoff when we finally get there.
1: Yeah and we we go into the cabin and uh it's very run down but there's an empty chair. And now Ben does his whole theater.
0: one man show.
1: <laughs> yeah. There he's doing this whole back and forth with Jay. He's like, "Oh, well, I'm sorry. I don't I didn't I didn't I had to bring him." And then he's like And he's like, John, you can't see. You can't see this. (laughs) I've
0: said it once. I'll say it again. Ben is a method actor who is committed to the bit. (laughs) And this scene proves it.
1: And Locke is like, you you made all this up. You're making this all up. And he's like, no, I see him there. Like, I can't believe. And again, this is, and you brought it up before, Liam. Michael Emerson really keeps you guessing here because... I remember watching this scene and I really didn't know whether Ben really was seeing somebody or not, but because he's such an established manipulator, like it's easy to see like all sides of this. It's really, it's they've used everything we've learned about Ben and also about Locke being a believer in things and then not believing. And they've used all that character stuff to make this moment even more confusing and creepier. It's really a great bit of business.
2: Yeah, I, I think uh this scene is kind of like a the show in a microcosm because on a mythological level it makes no sense. Like it's just inconsistent with the rest of the show. And when you really think about it, it starts to fall apart a bit. But when you're in the moment and you're watching the performances and and the set design and everything, taking all that in, it's utterly fantastic. It's a really great bit of television, really well-directed. And and yeah, Michael Emerson, as you say, utterly great. He's one of the best actors in the whole show. And uh, I was reading about this episode a while ago, and one of the things I remember, which I found really interesting, another bit of trivia for you, is that uh, you know how uh, Michael Emerson is or Ben is pretending? I guess if depending on your interpretation, to talk to Jacob, uh, Michael Emerson in his I guess pr- preparation for doing this scene, he actually wrote dialogue for Jacob. <gasps> cool. Which uh, and I don't I don't know if he's ever said what it was, but I think it was just something to aid, you know, so he had something to go off of in this scene. The writers didn't do that, but he did it for himself.
0: I think that's excellent because yeah like yeah. I, I can only imagine just having nothing to like bounce off of uh, like yeah I could see the way that would be a very helpful tool for him and yeah now I'm really curious as to what uh, <laughs> Michael Emerson's fanfic dialogue looks like
1: you know to the point we were discussing before about like why didn't Russo recognize and we're talking about how great Michael Emerson is and I'm reminded of the fact that he wasn't necessarily supposed to continue on with the show but when they brought him on as like the henry gale storyline he, they yeah. impressed him so much so that's another example of that inconsistency in the show is because emerson's such a good actor <laughs> they're like wow well, we need to yeah yeah
2: yeah uh, that's totally why that's totally why I'm, I'm glad that you can see that that is just a little mistake in order to have michael emerson on the show
0: they're like it's worth yeah. the continuity error, but, to keep this man around. But I think
1: this is where, and I'm not. This is where I differ than some people, and I'm not saying you two, but some people who have problems with things on the You're show. You're
0: also not not saying it. No, no, no. But I'm
1: legitimately not because because I know like like Liam enjoys the show, and Megan, you enjoy it. I think more than I mean, you enjoy it enough to do a podcast about it. Let's put it
0: that. <laughs> That's not but, inaccurate.
1: But, um. Like, that doesn't bother me at the end of the day. Like, there are people who will tell you this is a bad show because, like, they never fully explain the polar bear, and that's bullshit. And it's like, well, then you weren't really watching the show for the right reason. Like, there are, there are nitpicks, and then there are, like like, on an emotional level and an overall story arc level, I don't like none of that bothers me. Like I could acknowledge there are problems, but they're not the reason I was watching the show. If that makes sense, you know.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I no mean, no
0: show is perfect.
2: I I I respect that it is entertaining and all that. Uh, it's just, you know, I'm very torn on Lost, and this is why I just wish it was a bit tighter on the mythology level but it's just you know indicative of that they didn't plan it out properly and And some of that some of that i'm sympathetic towards because it's difficult to do something so far in advance but other shows have accomplished it and i just wish they hadn't put things in the show if they weren't going to pay them off and answer them and clarify them later
1: i think it's also very indicative of network television particularly then like lost is a show that kind of pave the way for some other shows to maybe have more of a plan or particularly like streaming or uh premium cable shows that you know came in as a limited series like they didn't have to stretch things out that they could kind of have a little more control over i'm thinking of the show previously before loss that might have had the most issue with quote-unquote mythology and it's got to be the x-files which also i think their mythology does not stick the landing i think i think (laughs) i think 10 times even worse than than lost but because uh... that
0: show is inherently episodic but i think what i for all of Lost's shortcomings what i can appreciate about it when it falls short is that we as like a television landscape Uh, And particularly a lot of the people who even worked on Lost seem to have learned from those mistakes. And now if you are doing a long running mystery series in the way that Lost um, was very ambitious in its attempt and, you know, execution, how effective it was. Obviously, up for debate, depending on who you ask. You're going to get a different answer from me. You're going to get a different answer from Will. You'll get a different answer from every guest we've had on this show. But regardless, every, every mistake that that show made in its storytelling execution, we've learned. And people seem to have a lot more intention when they set out to do their shows. Like, they have a beginning... And an ending in mind a lot more than they did when Lost was initially conceived, I think.
2: Yeah. Lost walked so Gravity Falls could run.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Gravity <laughs> Falls. And I think, Will, you would make the argument of Watchmen and um you know other under and, and I I think to an extent too, the good place. I just finished watching that and that was a, uh-huh. a Drew Goddard was the like executive producer showrunner I think on that show, um, so yeah. Good. I, I think we, I think everybody who was involved with Lost could learn from their mistakes.
1: Um, so now we're in this uh, 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 cabin, and and I mean it. Then Locke's leaving, and he hears the words "Help me,"
0: and it's eerie. Like it doesn't sound like Ben at all
1: and he turns to Ben and he's like like you said that and Ben's like I didn't say anything and I again I think it's a testament to Michael Emerson as an actor that as much as I think Ben is full of shit when he says he didn't say that whatever look Emerson's giving us in that moment I totally believe him like I when uh-huh. he's being truthful like you can kind of s- see a little bit through Ben's lies and yeah, and Ben does like he's like oh like I, I didn't and I think he's unnerved by this because Ben is putting on a show. <laughs>
0: he's like I was faking. Ben, is,
1: ben doesn't <laughs> talk to Jacob. It is a whole the man behind the curtain thing. And then the the shake sh the the shack shakes.
0: <laughs> no, no, you were right the first time. The shake shack. They got I, burgers and fries. I and think it I'm delicious.
1: gonna go have a... <laughs> I think I'm gonna go have a burger after this, and um, and you know, John has to. John gets out of there. He get out of there. But the thing is that John still thinks Ben is a fraud. This is one of those rare times where John has seen something crazy happen, but he still is like, it's something Ben did. And at that point, Ben's like, well, let me show you something. I want to show you something because well, John realizes we're not going back.
0: Real, real quick, I wanted to ask before we leave the cabin, what was that? Was it my – again, my guess would be the man in black, which uh, much like Jacob attributing everything unexplained to the man in black, it's an easy answer and it's a blank slate for anything that doesn't make sense. But like – it has to be right. The, well, the man in yeah, black I, is the only thing that makes
1: sense here. I would argue that this isn't a thing that doesn't make sense, though. Like, I think this actually does make sense. I'm not like being an apologist for it because if you're setting up a thing of with these, with an invisible god or something like that, I think it's fine that we can say that it is the man in black doing this, starting his manipulate or continuing his manipulation of law.
2: Not to be uh, that guy, not to slip in here, <laughs> but well, actually, but I'm <laughs> please, pretty. Sh-
0: please, well, actually, <laughs> me on this one, I need an answer.
2: <laughs> okay, I'm pretty sure the producers did say definitively, at least when this was made, that that was Jacob, and okay. uh, I, I personally don't think it is the man in black because you see the kitty litter ash around the cabin that oh, yeah, him. Yeah. So, so it's prob- him. <laughs> so, so it's probably Jacob, but. Why does he do this? Why doesn't he just talk to him if he can do that? I don't know. I couldn't tell you.
0: <laughs> so it's just another example in the long, long list of things that Jacob has done that indicate that he's an asshole. <laughs> well, he's I like keep- it.
1: He's keeping Ben in the dark. Um, but Ben brings Locke to a mass grave of people from the Dharma Initiative. And this is when he says that these were his people. This is where he came from. And then he shoots Locke. And there's a great, this is a great moment because he's like, like, what did Jacob say? And Locke's like, help me. And Ben's <laughs> like, like it's a, it's their little Abbott and Costello routine. And yeah. He's like now, like, what are he say? And Locke's like, oh, he said, help me. And he's like, certainly. Who's on first? He helps you. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And, and this is the first of what will be several murder attempts on Ben's part.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes, but eventually, you know, good for Ben, eventually he gets him. Eventually he oh. eventually he's able to do it.
0: Try, try, try again.
1: <laughs> um But so yeah, that... this is
0: this is shocking. Um yeah. yeah, Liam, what was your reaction when when um, Ben actually shoots manages to shoot John Locke and then leave him in a mass grave.
2: Yeah, I mean it's very brutal, very shocking. I remember I remember being shocked the first time I watched it, and then years later watching it probably like a week ago, just to refresh myself. Uh I remember being shocked then, because it's something that's really brutal. It's a it's a gut wound, and it looks like he's gonna die and At that point in the show, it seemed inconceivable that they would kill Lockoff. off. And obviously, obviously they don't at that point, but in the moment, you don't realize it.
1: Yeah, because he's such an important character. Like, when you think intellectually, like, well, this guy's story's not done. But you don't see a way out of this. Like, he's in a mass grade, bleeding out. Um, Do you remember
2: how he gets out of it?
1: Oh, I do. (laughs) I do.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I do.
1: Magic. I believe there's later because it's a. Um, I will just say because then Walt, Walt shows up. <laughs>
0: <A> big <laughs> big Walt. Yeah, I,
1: I, he's like, yeah. He says at some point, I can't remember what episode. But at some point, he says to Sawyer or something like, "I saw Walt. He was big, and so it goes like a giant," <laughs> <laughs> which was just another great Sawyer line. Uh, which goes down with also my other favorite Sawyer line of, oh, yeah, there's my favorite leaf. <laughs> <laughs> Sawyer's <laughs> um,
0: got some good one-liners. He really does. Sawyer's
1: the best. Speaking of Sawyer, we got, uh, I know we're running long, but we got a B plot to just get to real fast here. Um, uh, Sawyer is comes back to the camp. He flags down Said, And he's like, you got to listen to this take. Um, so they're, you know, figuring out what to do. And Kate shows up and they're like, oh, hey, where's uh, Jack and Juliet? And she's like, oh, they ran off right after I told them about that thing. You told me not to tell them. About. <laughs> um, way to go, Kate, 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 not ha- not making smart moves this season. Um, and you know, we find Basically, now it's all coming out to the whole camp that there's this woman Naomi, and there's this plan to to that Julie kidnap son
0: and to to kidnap potentially Kate as well.
1: So there's a big meeting, and I like that Claire's the only one who seems concerned about the fact of like, wait, they all think we're dead. Can we get back to that? Like, (laughs) why? But they're like, no, that doesn't matter. (laughs)
0: <laughs> uh very important i disagree
1: <laughs> but you know and son's sticking up for juliet and one of the reasons she's sticking up for him is like well jack also is um and then they play uh they 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 play um, the tape and then if they're like well, we can't uh we can't trust jack we can't trust jack he's helping juliet but then who shows up jack and juliet and they're like Why don't you turn the tape over, listen to the other side of it? And that's when you hear Ben's plan. And Juliet, it seems, is playing both sides. So uh, now what are they going to do? Well, we'll find out next episode.
2: Yeah, I I feel like uh, if this episode came out today, someone would like video edit that clip at the end where they're like, turn the tape over and play it someone would put something stupid in that in there like rick Astley or something yeah. like i feel like that would become a, a video meme trend on twitter
0: <laughs> <laughs> it absolutely would of just, like especially just getting the reaction shots from everybody as it cuts to one person <laughs> and another and another yes that would be how there's so much in lost that is like a template for mimetic content and i'm i i think lost was just a few years too early <laughs> to really mm-hmm. take off that way
1: i, I honestly i'm kind of since lost really is one of my favorite shows of all time i'm kind of grateful for the fact that i don't didn't necessarily live in like the twitter age of loss though like i feel like that would drive me insane every like it'd be fun for a while but then it'd be like it would just be me fighting with everybody on the internet <laughs> <laughs> um, so i mean that's the that's the b story it's really just very brief setting up uh when we get into next week where we kind of establish what their plan's going to be for when the others come to try to kidnap son and raid their camp. Yep. Uh, does anybody have any other thoughts on that before we move on to our uh our um, little wrap up?
0: I mean, like like I said, the I was very conflicted on Juliet as a character and um like when when I was first watching this show and I don't I legitimately don't remember how I felt about this reveal that she had actually let Jack in. On their plan um, and that the reason why he was being so cagey in the last episode was because he just hadn't decided how to deal with it yet um, so I don't remember how I reacted to it back then uh, I imagine college Megan was probably rolling her eyes but um, here I'm like I'm looking forward to seeing how this all plays out with Juliet because I I am I am pleasantly surprised at the fact that I view her differently as a character now. So I, I'm still waiting to see how this season pans out, <laughs> to see um where I land on this whole thing.
2: Yeah, I, I'm I've actually always liked Juliet. That's something that I will fall down on Will's side for because <laughs> I think she's a I think she's a great character.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. Here's the thing: I'm just talking about my previous biases, and now I'm like, yeah. oh yeah, no, this is all good writing. I, I <laughs> I'm just waiting <laughs> to see how it all wraps up before I I make my definitive opinion. But no, she's great.
1: So it's time to uh, pick our man in black and our Jacob, our, our 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 thing we love and our thing we hate about the episode. I mean, hates a strong word, but um. Uh, Liam, you are our guest. Would you like to go first with your uh, Man in Black pick?
2: Ooh, okay. I think probably just the kind of loose mythology of the whole cabin thing, and it's very unclear how that you know relates to what Jacob is later on in the show. I think this is something where, again, the writers had a lot of ideas as for what Jacob could be, and at this point in the show, they hadn't nailed it down. So... We get some great acting out of it and all that, but uh, I just wish like this connected to the rest of the show. Like that is one of my main problems with Lost is that uh, even the answers you do get, they don't feel like they fit in those you know where those puzzle pieces should go. So I guess yeah, just how wishy washy the mythology is when it comes to Jacob in the cabin.
1: I was for My Man in, I'll just go. My, my Man in Black was going to be something kind of akin to that. It wasn't really the cabin stuff, because that stuff doesn't bother me. But we did get on that little thing about the smoke monster and the vision of his mom and how we're it. And I do agree that at this late in the show, they could have had a better sense of how, like, the smoke monster works. I mean, look, you're watching this episode the first time. You don't even realize that could be a smoke monster-related thing, in theory. But, but... Mm-hmm. It clearly has something to do with it. So I, I, I'll throw that extra part of it in for my man in black. Megan, how about you?
0: Um, My man in black uh, and my man in white, I think for the first time, are going to be the same thing. Oh, so um, why don't we have
1: you do, do both circle back uh, to that? Uh,
0: yeah, my... Oh yeah, do you wanna jump over to Liam for Man and What? Oh, no, no,
1: no, no, no. You do you oh. do you No,
0: know, it'll <laughs> okay. snake
1: its way back. You'll do both, and then we'll end with Liam with the it. Snake.
0: It is it is, in fact, the cabin scene. Um, because I you you know me. I love me my horror movie moments. And I'm certainly glad this was not the last time Drew Goddard worked on a cabin in the woods. Um I uh, so I I love when Shows that aren't necessarily primarily horror dip into horror movie territory. And what this was, it was an isolated horror movie. It was a horror movie short. And it was exceedingly effective, and I really appreciated it. But just like with what Liam said, knowing for sure that the voice in the cabin was Jacob infuriates me to know it. <laughs> so I love the scene, I hate what it means for the meta narrative because that's some bullshit. <laughs> um so I I I do yeah, it's such a shame because um all of the Dharma initiative stuff fits together so well. Why couldn't this cabin scene connect to the bigger mythology of the show in a way that made more sense. And that's, I I don't think I can make it any more concise than that.
1: Uh, So Cabin, a mixed bag for you. Yep. Um, I'm going to, I've complimented the casting a lot in this episode. So I'm going to have, because I mean, look, there are any individual Ben and Locke moments I could pick from this, but I'm going to go like, like you guys said, the casting of young Ben is terrific. You're bringing in some interesting actors uh, John Griers, I think he plays a good, like, drunk, terrible Trouble thumb. dad, yeah. I like, I think it's just a lot of fun that Emerson's wife is playing his mom. Uh, again, <laughs> Samantha Mathis, you know, late 80s, who didn't have a little crush on her. And professional, uh professional creep, both in film and real life, Doug Hutchinson, <laughs> who will be back a lot in uh, uh, season five. Gross. So,
0: now I know to properly hate him when he comes on screen. <laughs>
1: um, so I'm going to give it to uh, some good casting calls in this. Uh, uh, who is your Jacob, Liam? Uh,
2: I would say um, can I just pick like any like abstract thing for my yes. Jacob? Is that how it works? <laughs> absolutely. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Even better.
2: Yeah, I guess it would just be the chemistry between uh, Terry O'Quinn and Mike Emerson here. Uh, just the Especially Michael Emerson, uh, there's a lot of you know, guessing of 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 what he's really up to. There he's so unreadable, in in a, in a lot of sense, it's very hard to parse what he's actually trying to do. Whether he's lying, whether he's faking, and so the the constant second guessing of his performance, especially in the cabin, is so cool. It's so well done. So I would go with that, especially that scene in the cabin how well acted it is for, you know, I I, I I guess I did on the other side of the spectrum to shit on the cabin scene a bit, but <laughs> the, the the performances are so good in that. But uh, yeah, I just give the nod to their their performances and chemistry.
1: Um, yeah, I think, uh, look, there's a reason I'm a broken record, but I always point out that there's a reason that the two actors who ended up winning Emmys for these shows were Michael Emerson and Terry O'Quinn. And the scenes they have together throughout the series are just tremendous. Um, Liam, before we go, why don't you tell the people where they can find you, where they can find things you're doing, and all that jazz.
2: Well, uh, I'm on Twitter. I'm at Dr. Underscore Cupcakes. I don't know why, that's just my handle. It's the full word, Dr. Underscore Cupcakes. Or just uh, Google my name, I guess. you probably find what I do. Uh, Liam Robertson, and uh, I do a show on the Did You Know Gaming YouTube channel called Game History Secrets, where I just kind of look into, I guess, old gaming mysteries about console games and, and such things, you know, obscure gaming history stories that you might find interesting. And we got some big stuff coming up. So check that out if you want to.
1: Excellent. Check that out. Uh, Megan,
0: uh, you guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the TheManguin, that's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. Uh, I also have a YouTube channel called Silver Screams, where me and my co-hosts talk about horror things, and I'm a member of Rooster Team Radio, where me and my co-hosts talk about Rooster Teeth-related content, mostly the animation stuff, uh, and uh, be sure to check out, we just did a two-parter talking about this year's virtual RTX, so uh, if you're into Rooster Teeth or into horror movies, you know, just follow me and you will you'll get that content on your Twitter feed. <laughs>
1: And you can follow me on Twitter at the real will link. You can buy my novel, Crazy About Kurt. Everybody needs something to read. Uh, go pick this up. You can buy it on Amazon. It's about uh, the nineties, so if you like the nineties, the age, uh, the in time when Samantha Mathis, people knew who she was. Um, you can pick up that novel, uh, and you can also follow us at uh, at No Love Lost Pod. So, Liam, thank you so much. This has been uh, great talking to you. We'd love to have you back sometime.
2: Yeah, that would be wonderful. Uh, thank you so much for having me. It's great to talk about Lost with other humans because uh, most everyone else I know has never watched it.
1: Oh, well, those people got to start. <laughs> yeah. Um, hey, uh,
0: lots, I mean, we're all still in quarantine. <laughs> Might as well <laughs> binge binge a classic show because, yeah, it's... It's good to discuss with friends.
1: And until next time, see you in another life, brother. Hey there, everybody. I'm Will Link of No Love Lost with me as always.
0: Megan Salinas. Hey, everybody.
1: And we're here to talk to you about the podcast jukebox, a DIY podcast network.
0: Uh, yeah, the podcast Jukebox Network has been super supportive of us as we venture back to the island. Uh, and so we just wanted to take a minute to thank uh, them and to let you guys know that you guys should be supporting the other podcasts put on by this fantastic network.
1: If you are enjoying No Love Lost, definitely give a listen to many of the other podcasts, far, many of which are far less vanilla than we are. Uh, <laughs> Uh, uh, Off the Cuffs, which is kind of the flagship show of the network. It is the BDSM Kink podcast that kind of launched this whole network uh, off. You've got the Goth Librarian podcast. You have Being There podcast, a great storytelling podcast. You have The Queers Next Door. Also on the network, uh, Proud to be Kinky, uh, Drinks with God, And a little podcast that's close to my heart, Megan. What is that one called? Will Sean Podcast? Yeah. Will Mm -hmm. he? I
0: don't know. Spoiler
1: alert. uh, Not as frequently as usual. (laughs) But you should definitely subscribe to all these shows. Rate them. Listen to them on iTunes.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, These are all fantastic storytellers. It's so important to be sex positive. So go support these other podcasts. And uh, yeah, if you like us, you might like them. Who knows? Yeah. (laughs) It makes sense. We're on the same network.
1: (laughs) So yes, rate and subscribe to all these terrific shows.
0: And don't forget to rate them all five stars, and also rate us five stars.
1: Yeah, while you're at it, you're listening to us, might as well give us a rating.
0: (laughs) You're already there. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks, guys.